Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring homilies and powerful stories from real Catholics, all about the truth, goodness, and beauty of Christ and His Church. If you're interested in supporting the work that we're doing, you can visit drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are reminded of how much the Lord loves you and that you hear His invitation for you to come to life. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight, folks. I want to talk about um, I want to talk about healing, and I'll talk about wounds. And I know that that might be a little deep, but I, I think tonight's talk will be a, a, a little bit of an inspirational talk, and and uh, and maybe even a bit of teaching. I'll do a little bit of a, uh, teaching tonight. I always get a little worried with stairs. If you've ever been to St. Bernard's in the South Hills, I've been to St. Bernard's. St. Bernard's has a ton of stairs. And I was telling Nick just before I um, walked up here, one time I was preaching there. And you guys, if you've ever heard me preach before, I know I can get a little passionate. And I was like, and that's what, oh, I fell down the stairs. And then the ambulance came. It was an ugly scene. But anyways, no, just, so I want to talk about, um, I'm talking about wounds and healings, but I want to start with desire, right? Our, our desire, the deepest desire of the human heart is to be loved. One of, one of the, I've done a lot of embarrassing things in my life, but one of the, the really embarrassing things that happened to me, and I've shared this story a lot, so forgive me if you've heard it before. I was in high school, I played football in high school and in college, and uh, it, was, it was during the summer in high school, and so the football team kind of did workouts, you know, down by the track, and, uh, and, the, and the track team was doing workouts too. And so, like, all the really pretty track girls were there, you know, and so we were acting, like, really cool and, you know, doing our thing. And, and then, like, th- there were javelins out on the field that people were throwing. Well, I was a quarterback, so, I, you know, pretty decent arm. So one of my buddies was like, dude, you should go throw the javelin. And I was like, yeah, I should go throw the javelin, you know? Like, it's going to be amazing. And we were talking about it, talking about it. Finally, like, we went over there, and, and all the track people were around, and all, like, the super pretty track girls were there, you know? And I was like, I'm going to throw this javelin, and I'm going to be, like, the man, you know? Like, this is going to be it, you know? So, folks, I took my shirt off. It was bad, right? That's, that's before I got pregnant. Um, so I... I <laughs> I took, you know, I, I imagine myself, you know, like, like Apollos or somebody like this, this Greek god, you know, that by just glistening in the sun. So like, it's, it's bad as you get. Like, imagine the worst 80s high school movie you've ever seen. That was me. I even had a mullet, right? So I'm like, the shirt's off. I pick up the javelin and everybody's like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, I am about to be the coolest guy that this school has ever seen, right? And so I pick up the javelin and I go to throw it like with all of my might, right? The way that you throw a football is you bring it back and then you spin your wrist. That's how you get a spiral on the football. You spin your wrist. The problem with doing that with the javelin is it's really long, right? (laughs) And so I pick up this javelin, you know, and you can imagine in my mind, I'm like, I am the greatest, you know, I'm like back here and I go to launch the javelin and I spin my wrist and boom, I hit myself in the back of the head, right? So I knock myself over. Here's the best part. As the javelin's falling, it grabs my shorts and pulls my pants down. So, so now I'm on the ground. I come to. The javelin's next to me. My pants are down. And all the pretty track girls are like... <laughs> it's like I tell that story because it's funny. We need to laugh sometimes, right? But hey, I, I tell the story because part of it's like, why do we do that? 
like, why do we aggrandize ourselves? Why do we like do the look at me thing, right? When we're little kids, you guys have heard me say this before. My nieces and nephews, a bunch of nieces and nephews, and they come in front of me and they'll, you know, they're like, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe, look, look at me, you know, and then they do something the next day, Uncle Joe, look at me. And she does a cartwheel, and then the littlest one's like, Uncle Joe, look at me. We do the look at me. The, why is it? Because ultimately, folks, and this is, you guys know this because you're human beings, we long for love, don't we? We long for fulfillment. Like, we desire to be seen. The reason I was doing that, right? Like, it's this, it's this great desire to be seen, right? And in fact, so many of, of kind of the ego sins that we have, the comparing ourselves to each other and the jealousies and the envies and then the fears and the anxiety, all the things that kind of come over, the, you know those trees that we have, like the trees of jealousy and anxiety and fear and all, all these things, so many of them have their roots, not in an evil place, but in a place of desire. I'm just, I just want to be loved. Really, when it comes down to it, I just, I just want to be loved. And the thing is, like, I don't want to necessarily be loved for what I do. We, we kind of do that when we're kids, but then we realize how shallow that is. If I'm just loved for what I do, it's not satisfying. Like, I don't want to just be loved because I was a good football player or because I'm a, a priest. Or I don't want to just be loved because I have a really uh, great job or drive a fancy car or something like that. I don't want to be, because that's not really me being loved. That's me doing being loved. Like, fundamentally, guys, when it comes down to it, like, like, I want you to love me. I don't want to be loved for my doing. I, I can't rest in that. And in fact, if I only experience myself as loved for what I do, then that puts even more pressure on me to do what? To perform. And that's how I grew up. I'm loved for what I do, for what I accomplish, because when I come off the field, everybody claps. It's not satisfying. I want to be loved for who I am. There's this great Christian song. Maybe I'm dating myself. It might be old or something, but I love the lyrics. And quite honestly, I'm like driving my car and my eyes are like bawling my eyes out to the song. The girl says this, and it's this longing in her voice. Listen to the line. She says, who will love me for me? Not for what I have done or what I've become. Who will love me for me? You know, I'm like, if you ever see me driving down the road crying, you know, I'm listening. I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. You know, like, but the last, the last line of the, of the song is this, and I love it. It's her speaking in God's place, and she's crying out, I will love you for you. Not for what you have done or what you've become. I will love you for you. Like, that's the healing of the human heart, right? Like, to, to experience ourselves as, as beloved just because we are. I want to say to you tonight, and if you don't hear anything about this from this talk tonight, I just want you to hear this. You are completely loved. As you are right now. I want you to hear Jesus through my voice say to you tonight, I do love you. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. It's another great song. A guy named Bebo Norman. It's one of my favorites because he's suffered so much. That's why his songs are so powerful talks about God of my hurt, God of my need, God of the pain that no one else will ever see. I know you have pain. 
that no one else will ever see in your life, not even your spouse. I know it. I want you to know you're loved in that. The deepest healing we can receive is the healing of our identity, affirmation of the existence of our being. The deepest wounds we can receive are wounds that affect our identity. And there's two primary type of wounding that happens in us, right? Here comes the teaching part. The first wound is active. The second wound is passive. Active is this. You're not lovable. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. That's an active wound. A passive wound is never experiencing ourselves as beloved. That, that, that means our, our, our dads maybe never kind of held us by the shoulders and said, I, you are so beloved. And both of those wounds have the same effect on the human heart. Both of those wounds lead to radical insecurity, which leads to radical immaturity, which leads to radical impurity. But the problem's not here or here. The problem's here. It's security, maturity, and a life of purity. But so often when we go to confession, we say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I did this and I did this and, I, and we're confessing our impurities. And I said, but what's going on here? I don't know, Father, I haven't, I haven't been in touch with my heart in a really long time. There's too much pain. There's too much pain there, Father, so I just, I keep running, right? But that's where we need to go. See, wounds work like this. They work like natural wounds, right? We get cut on the arm. If we don't take care of the cut, the cut gets infected. And eventually, you know, if nurses or whatever, or parents, right? The, the, the skin or the scab grows over the infection, but the infection can still be in the arm very often, right? And so what do you do if you don't clean it out? I saw this so much when I was in Africa, leper colonies, right? They learn to live with these wounds in their arms. Then they get another wound, and then they get a wound in their leg. And so they're going through life like this, right? They're going through life like this, wondering why they're not living life to the full. And it's the wounds. Well, spiritual works the same way. You hear in John 10, 10, and us priests get up and the speakers get up, and we say, you should be living life to the full, and the power of the resurrection leaves you free. And you're like, I don't feel free, Father. I don't feel free. It's the wound. The wound happens, right? You get wounded, and then the wound gets infected. You know what it gets infected with? Lies. And then we make an inner vow to try and combat those lies. And we live our whole life based on that inner vow. And that whole life is all this comparison and all this envy and all this anxiety and all this fear. and all that. But we got to go here. <laughs> very personal story. We won a championship when I was a little kid in baseball. And I wasn't very good. I was a late bloomer in athletics, right? Little kid. I was a pudgy little kid, right? That's where I still carry my baby fat, you know? You're like, a lot of weight jokes. He's insecure. So... <laughs> We win a championship. I'm on a bench. All my teammates are celebrating at the mound, right? And so I started running out to the mound to join my team. The best player, the coolest kid, the man, the number four hitter, and the pitcher turns around and sees me running and says, get out of here. You didn't do anything to observe this. You didn't help us to win. Imagine what that does to a little kid. Imagine what that does to a little kid. There's the wound. Mm. Rejection. You know what came with that rejection? These lies. You know them well. You don't belong. You're an idiot. You're not like these other guys. You're not an adequate man. You're not good enough. There's the wound. And then when you're a little kid, you don't need know how to deal with your wounds. And so often we make these inner vows, consciously or unconsciously. And the inner vow that I made in my life was this, no one will ever see me again. 
because if they see me, they can hurt me. And so literally, I, I look back now and I realize in high school and college, I only wore gray and black. It, that's why I picked this profession. Just kidding, right? <laughs> because I didn't want to be seen. If you wear colors, you get seen. And if you get seen, you get hurt. And so I, I, do you see how my life, my insecurity could be built off of that? So that was one interval. I'm not going to be seen. And the other one is because I'm an extrovert and because I was good at sports, I was always pushed in front of people. And so if I have to be up in front of people, then I am going to perform so perfectly that nobody will be able to criticize me. And what would happen if they'd criticize me? I'd go to pieces. And so what happened off that? Comparison happened off that. Am I as good as the next guy? He looks like he's performed. And then envy was off that. This other guy does good. If he does good, that means it diminishes me. And then jealousy happens. And then gossip happens after that. And then I'm tearing up. But do you see how the whole thing's built on the wound that's built on the lie that's built on the inner vow? It's not here, folks. It's here. What's your wound? What's your wound? wounds. So often it goes back to our parents. Our parents love us. There's no perfect parent. So often it goes back to our brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters love us. There's no perfect siblings. There's no perfect families, despite what our Christmas cards look like every single year. What's your wounds? Where's your hurt? Amazing, right? Remember Jesus walking on the shore Beautiful. James and John, remember? First chapter, Gospel of John. Turns around, asks him this question. <sighs> it's a dangerous question. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? You see what Jesus was trying to do there? He was trying to get them back in touch with their hearts. I want to know what are you looking for? He knew what they were looking for. That's why I said, come and see, come to me. You'll find what you're looking for. What Jesus say? He says, come and see, come and see, come to me. You'll find what you're looking for, right? That's what he, that's what he does. That, that's actually the good news is if the deepest wound we can receive is a wound of our identity, the deepest healing we can receive is a healing in our identity. And that's what Jesus came to do to make us sons and the sons. Do you see? Sons and the sons, daughters in him. We become beloved children of God. He says this, I will give you a new heart in Ezekiel 37 and place it with you and you a new spirit. What's the new spirit he's talking about? A new spirit of adoption. Adoption is sons. You're no longer slave. You're sons, he says. You're sons in me. It's so beautiful. Sons and daughters love. So what do we have to do? How do we deal with this? We got to go back to the wound. We have to discover the lies that were told to us. We have to renounce those lies. In the name of Jesus, I am not a failure. In the name of Jesus, I am not an idiot. In the name of Jesus, I am, in the name of Jesus, I, in the name of Jesus, and you fill in the blank. You renounce those lies. Those renouncing of the lies is like taking the alcohol and cleaning out the wound. It can burn, but it heals. And then, and then you let the truth pour in. And I mean poor because the truth poured out of him, didn't it? The truth poured out of him. His side was open. We just celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday, the blood and the water. The truth poured out of him. And the truth can pour into our heart, into our wounds. But, but, but we have to remember what he's done for us. 
See, so often we look at other people to tell us what we're worth. I look in the mirror to tell me what I'm worth. You know the best mirror there is? This is what the fathers of the church said. The only true mirror to show you your actual worth is the mirror of the cross. That's what you're worth. But I feel like a failure. I'm, I'm not concerned about what you feel. I'm concerned about truth. And that's the truth. What else can I do? Joe, will you tell him tonight how much I love him? Joe, will you plead with him tonight? <laughs> I will, Lord. I'm pleading with you tonight. I remember theology, praying in front of the, in front of the crucifix, blessed sacrament, pouring my heart out to the Lord. I was so anxious. I was so afraid. And I knew the formula. Perfect love casts out all fear. So I thought, if I can just get his perfect love into my heart, I'll be free of fear. It's going to work. God, do something. Do something to show me how much you love me. Just convince me that you love me. He said, Joe, open your eyes and look at the cross. What else would you like me to do? All the love's given. You don't have to doubt that you are loved beyond your greatest imagining. Isn't that wonderful? It says God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He proved it. What do we say to God? Prove it. So I did. Now he says back to us, accept it. Prove it. I did. Now accept it. Okay, Lord. I'm going to accept it tonight. He can change your life tonight. <laughs> And set you free tonight. He can heal your wounds tonight. I know it's a process. Let the process begin tonight. So many of us get stuck. We don't find healing because we obsess about our diagnosis. Here's my wound, and I'll just stay looking at that. No, no, no. We gotta get to the cure. The cure is his wounds. It says this by his wounds we are. By his wounds, we are not by looking at our wounds. We look at our wounds only to look at his wounds, only to surrender them to his wounds. Remember on Easter, what happens, right? Easter, he comes through the locked doors. Isn't that great? Jesus with the resurrected body. Actually, the apostles and all the resurrection accounts, Jesus just having fun. He's just having, I can't wait for that resurrected body, right? I'm going to be showing up everywhere like, hey, you know, <laughs> there'll be a cruise ship. I'll be like, hi, you know, <laughs> walking on water. He shows up, and what's he do? Very peculiar. He doesn't say, hey, guys, remember? He says, remember? Shows him his hands and his side. What's he showing him? His wounds. What do we usually do? The last thing I'm going to show you is my wounds. No way. I'm not going to show you my wounds. I'm going to hide my wounds because I've shown you my wounds. You might hurt me again. You won't love me. You're going to reject me. What's Jesus do? Hey, everybody. <laughs> What Jesus is saying is this, I know you have wounds. I have wounds too. But your wounds don't have to define you. Your wounds are the small story. My wounds, that is the witness of my love for you. That's the big story. You've got to let the big story break into your smaller story and redeem those wounds. And then your wounds will start looking like mine. They'll glow. And you'll too become a witness to the power and the mercy and the love of God. I've talked for long enough. We're about to enter a time of adoration. Nick said it well. Nick, I almost made you a priest wherever you are. I almost said Father Nick. <laughs> the Eucharist is the resurrected Christ. 
The Eucharist is the resurrected Christ, and the resurrected Christ still has his wounds. Let's spend the rest of the night. We're here till 1030. Let's spend the short time that we have together just contemplating him, contemplating his wounds and what he's done for us. See, when we accept what he's done for us, the love, we're launched out to love. We may accept how much we've been forgiven. We get capable of forgiving. When I accept how patient he's been with me, I can become very patient with others. But it's in looking at his wounds. Okay, I get it. I get the lies. I get the wounds. Here I am. Now here. Here's the eyes. Now here. That's the movement. And that's the healing he desires to give us. By his wounds, our wounds are healed. Let's just contemplate him. He did this for me. Last little story. I can't resist talking when there's music underneath because it's like, I could just read a phone book and you guys would be like, that was so beautiful. (laughs) I love synthesizers. My niece, Mary Kate, told this story often. Pulled into the driveway one time. She lives in Champaign with her four siblings and my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law. She was so excited to show me something, she wouldn't let me out of the car. I'd just driven like six and a half hours. I'm like, Mary Kate, Mary Kate, Uncle Joe. She's little pigtails, bumping out on the outside the window, right? Fine, get out of the door. She grabs my finger. She's dragging, dragging me, dragging me in the house, dragging me in. She wants to show me something. On the table was a bouquet of flowers. She loves flowers. My brother-in-law was sitting at the table. She looked, Mary Kate, about this time. She looked at me. She pointed to her dad in the flowers and she said, Uncle Joe, he did this for me. He did this for me. Can you believe it, Uncle Joe? That I could be so loved, Uncle Joe. Can you believe that I'm the apple of his eye, the treasure of his heart? Can you believe it, Uncle Joe, that I could be so loved? He did this for me. did this for me. Let's let it become personal tonight. Go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. You are the carrier of truth. Carry truth to our hearts tonight. You know our wounds better than we do. We surrender them to you tonight. All the hurts we've sustained from our moms, our dads, our grandparents, our brothers and sisters, our Teachers, our coaches, our priests, our friends, you know the wounds. We lay them all open to you tonight. Come, Holy Spirit, clean these wounds out. Speak to us the truth. Grant us the grace to fix our eyes on the big story that is shown in the wounds of the crucified and risen Lord forever and ever. Amen.